Welcome back to your next stop. This is Juliette Hahn. My next guest, Betty Fetter, is the CEO of Young Rembrandts. She also wrote a book called Being Visual. I love this story so much because we dive into how Betty started her business at her table helping kids draw. We dive into left and right brain thinkers, which you guys know, I love how the brain works. We also get into how her husband retired when they were building this business and how that worked, how they got into franchising. She did this all while raising her family. And it is a really special episode. You can find Betty and Young Rembrandts all over social media. So you can YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and that's Young Rembrandts, Y-O-U-N-G-R-E-M-B-R-A-N-D-T-S. And BettyFetter.com. You can also go there. B-E-T-T-E-F-E-T-T-E-R. Again, don't forget to check YoungRenBrands.com or all over social medias. Or you can check out Betty's blog. Again, a really, really special story. You guys know where you can find me. You can find me at I am Juliet Han for all my episodes and more about what I am doing. You can also find me on all socials. I am Juliet Han, and we will see you guys soon. Hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Have you ever been listening to your favorite podcast and that moment comes up and you think, oh my gosh, I need to share it? Well, now you can with picked cherries. What I love about picked cherries so much is that when I'm listening to my favorite podcast and that moment comes up that I want to share, I can take a snippet, which is called the picked cherry, and I can send that to my friends and family so they can get involved in the podcast that I love. It's almost like sending an IG or a TikTok available now, iOS and Android. If you're not picking cherries, are you really listening to podcasts? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to your next stop. You know, I say it every single time, but I'm truly excited to bring you into the life of someone that followed a passion and turned it into a business. Welcome, Betty Fetter. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. And I always tell my guests, or my guests, I always tell my listeners where we kind of connected. And I think what's so fun is that we actually connected through one of my listeners and someone that I met on IG, which is really cool. She said, Oh my gosh, you have to have my mom on. And I said, Okay, let, you know, <laughs> let, 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 let me hear a little bit more about it. But I, you know, you're the CEO of Young Rembrandts. You uh, read, wrote a book called being visual. You are all over, you know, the socials. So LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and IG, and people can find you at young, uh, Rembrandt's there. And I'm going to spell that for all my dyslexic, uh, listeners. <laughs> so that's young as in young Y O U N G and Rembrandt's is R E M B R A N D T S. And yeah. YouTube, you can really get a really big, huge sense of what Betty is doing, but I can't wait for my listeners to kind of hear your story, your backstory a little bit, you know, where you kind of grew up and then how you turned a passion into this business. Great. Fun to tell the story. You know, for me, when I was a kid, I was one of the art kids and whatever it was, I wanted art supplies. I just wanted to draw, paint, do ceramics, whatever it was. I was a classic art kid and my, uh, my college degree is in studio art. I had no idea what I was going to do with that for a career. I really wasn't interested in being a professional artist. It's just that I loved art and I didn't know where I was going to go with it, but I couldn't not do art as my major. So my degree is in studio arts 
And then, you know, when I got to the school, I worked some different jobs and it was great because I think it gave me a lot of business experience that I didn't know I was going to need later in my life. And then when I had kids, I started working at a Montessori school, more admin, admin and edu- in the educational part. But I didn't know then either that it was really about, I was really into how young children learn, how they process information, what's the best way to teach and all that kind of stuff. And eventually it ended up being my business where it combined art and educating young children. I love that. And, you know, and there's a couple of things that you said, and, uh, you know, I always want my listeners to kind of focus in on some parts of people's stories, Mm -hmm. because what you said is the experience that you had out of school led you to learn a lot about business. And, you know, my, my listeners know that I am a really big component. I really believe we all have a path. We all just don't always find it because sometimes we don't allow ourselves to explore Mm -hmm. different parts of our lives, whether it's, you know, uh, fear of failure, whether it's that you're just, you're going to kind of plowing through life and not like listening or like taking in some of the things that are happening around you. And so I love that you know that those parts of your life really led you to start your own business. And that's, I think, another thing that people don't think about. They think, okay, if they did something and it wasn't what they were meant to do, or they didn't feel fulfilled, they think that they were on the wrong path. And I don't think anyone's really ever on the wrong path. I think those paths are stepping stones and they really teach you to and, and gain skills to what you are meant to do. And it's just a matter of if, again, you let yourself explore. I'm a huge compa- uh, component of daydreaming. Some people call it meditating, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, but finding that time just to daydream what you want your life to look like, what you, what excites you, what kind of lights you up, what you, you know, get excited when other people talk about. And not a lot of people, you know, do that. I, I you know, they, I think they hold themselves back. So I love that you kind of looked at those stepping stones as, okay, this is what I am meant to do. So take us through a little bit how you started young Rembrandt's okay. and, you know, and, you well, know, and, what, and, yeah, and I would say to your listeners are encouraging. I had no clue that that's what they were stepping stones. And in fact, I thought, what am I going to do with my life? I had no idea. And so uh, when I had kids, you know, I grew up in a family of six kids and then we had, my mother remarried at some point. There were, there were 10 kids in our family So when I was first out of school, I had no interest in kids, education, (laughs) teaching, anything. I just had a really good time with my husband and I. We married young. I'm still married to the same. My high school boyfriend, been 47 years. Oh, I love that. When I had kids, it was like this entire other world. You know, I had no idea that my entire world would be about children and education and art. And so... I didn't know about kids until I got to the point in my life when I had kids. Right. And it was just changed everything for me. So I, uh, a friend of mine wanted her kids to learn how to draw. They had sports everywhere, music lessons that but her kids wanted, art class. There wasn't any. So after a lot of arm twisting, I agreed to teach her kids how to draw. So I started <laughs> with eight kids at my kitchen table. And, you know, more and more kids came from the neighborhood or school. And it was just like every Thursday afternoon, we just had a lot of fun at Betty's house drawing. And eventually a friend of mine from um, the Montessori school where I had worked saw what the elementary kids were doing. And they said, she said, 
what are you doing? Like, kids don't draw like this. You're onto something. And she invited me to come to the Montessori school and teach preschoolers how to draw. And I said, no, that like that's not even heard of. That's like not on my radar. But of course, I tried it. That's the other part is you got to try it. Just got to. So it, I loved it. So I knew preschoolers. I have four kids. I practically had a preschool at my house. I was very comfortable with that age group. And I literally kind of just developed this method of teaching young kids how to draw. So at one point, I finally said, okay, I'm kind of on to something and I could make a business out of this. You know, my husband had his corporate sales job and it for kids. It was nice to have, a, I wanted a part-time something that I still had the flexibility with my family, but something that I really cared about. So I decided I wanted 200 kids a week and I just really worked 200 preschoolers a week. It's like you just have to, I had nothing about building a business, but it was just logic. I need this many customers to have this much income. And it just kept growing. And eventually I had another teacher. Could I train her in my method I invented and more teachers and more. And it was just, I just kept expanding the age group I taught and where I taught. And all of a sudden I kind of went, oh, I have a business. And then I got more serious about it. I love that. And that's, you know, another thing it's, it's something, and that's where people need to, as you said, say yes to everything that kind of excites mm-hmm. you that you're interested in because you don't know where that's going to take you. So, and then the fact that you just kept being like, okay, I want to, I want to grow this. I want to grow that. Now, what ages were your four kids when young, you know, young Rembrandt's kind of took off? Well, my kids were ended up when I first, my six-year-old, my oldest was one of those eight kids at the kitchen table. Right. And she's now 40. So we've been drawing for a long time. Yeah. I love that. And that's what, you know, it's so cool. It's also cool for them to see what you're doing. And obviously, you know, your daughter who was listening to my podcast was like, wait a second, this sounds like something that my mom did, which has to make you feel really good that, you know, your kids saw you grow something out of your mind, right? It was something that came out of your mind. It's something that excited you. So it kind of gives them the sense of, you know what, I can do something that's, you know, that I'm excited about. And we all have different stages in our life. And that's, you know, I think especially for women that are having kids, we kind of think, you know, at at times, okay, well, maybe this is what I'm meant to do. Maybe this is what I'm meant to do. But I always say, you know, I was meant to work in the, in the advertising world. And then I was meant to stay home. That's what, you know, Mm -hmm. that was what I wanted to do. I really wanted to stay home with my kids. And then as my kids grew, I grew and I wanted more for myself. So I started exploring things that excited me because I was like, well, let's see. I didn't think of, you know, that any of it would be become a business until I started doing it. And I realized, okay, wait, I'm actually good at this. Let me see where I can go. And I mean, every, you know, as you know, starting your own business every week, there's something that you're like, okay. And you know, sometimes it's every week, sometimes it's every month to figure out. (laughs) Right. Or am I on the right path? Do I need to, you know, sit and, and kind of reflect and see what's working, what's not working, who in my, on my team is bringing us forward, who on my team is pulling us back. Like, you know, there's these things that we have to think about all all the time. Um, And so it is not easy, but it is very rewarding and very fulfilling, satisfying. Thank you. That's, that's very true. So 
okay. So take us as you, you know, were 200 kids a week and then where did it, you know, well, continue to grow? Interesting. Um, my husband and I had always wanted to work together and we thought about like, could we have a business? But we never thought of any kind of business like we wanted to have, but we always thought it'd be nice to work together. So after I was doing Young Rembrandts for a few years, my husband said, I know what I want to do next. I want to work with Young Rembrandts. And I was like, Oh, I love that. I just didn't see it, but he did. And he, so we had to grow the business because, you know, I was the second income, but right. he's leaving his job. So we had to set some more goals. Like what's it going to take now for him to be able to leave? And this is our sole support. So we did that. And when we grew it big enough, then he left his corporate job and he came. And my husband is, was just so wonderful in so many ways. That's why we're still married. He's lovely. <laughs> but um, when he came into it, he didn't say, okay, move over. I'm here to save the day. He said, this is your baby. It's your passion. You obviously know what you're doing. So I'm here to be in support of you and to be whatever role you want me to play in this. And so we had a great time. We did overall, it was 13 years that we ran it as a local business that the two of us. So now our kids were able to have both parents very available. And you know, when you have four kids, by the time you get through elementary school and soccer and hockey and, and theater and all the activities, it's really nice to have that flexibility and two parents available. Right. So, so, okay. So, cause that, that is like a dream of mine. I always wanted my husband and I to work together. Now he's in corporate. He, he, he does work in advertising. It's not necessarily his dream, which is totally fine. I love my husband. We have a great Time relationship. Still coming. Yeah. Well, that's what I always say. I always say, cause my, my, big goal is to retire him. And you heard it here first, guys. Um, he knows. I tell him all the time. Um, but that is a goal of mine, you know, to, to retire him if that's what he wants to do. You know, I mean, it's obviously, it's not going to, I'm not going to force him to be retired. But so I would love to know a little bit about when, because my kids are now teens. So I'm thinking this is, you know, when they're in college, this is, you know, this is my plan when they're in college and that's our next stage, you know, in, in life. So when were you guys, when did he um, start running that? Is that when the kids were in grade school? From what yeah, you just we, said? Think we did it together while the kids were in grade school. And then I did, I was thinking life after mom, because like you, mostly I wanted to be available for my kids, but I wanted work to do that was really satisfying plus being with my kids. So right. it was a great balance. But, you know, I saw the writing on the wall that someday the kids are older. So we started franchising. I had thought about franchising the business as a way of expanding it. And so I had to, we learned about franchising, kind of studied up, got some consultants. And we actually sold our first franchise right after my first daughter, my oldest, graduated from high school. And it was very symbolic, kind of like, very oh, cool. started a new chapter as our family was kind of moving into a new chapter and a new season. I love that. And, you know, you're the second um, individual that I've had on. The other one was Cura uh, Homes that he and he started his business before he didn't have kids. Like he, he started his family. There's like seven of them. They're all entrepreneurs. And mm -hmm. he is now in the franchise 
um, part because that's where he saw it go. So that's like the second time you just said that. So, you know, someone said that on this podcast, which I love because that is a place where, you know, someone can think of their business and think, okay, I'm at the ceiling, right? And mm-hmm. there's no other place for me really to grow. How can I continue to grow? So how did the franchise idea come to you guys? Well, because my husband had been in corporate sales, we were very familiar with kind of the structure of you have a business, you have salespeople, you have commission, you have managers, whatever. But when you're on the other end of that and you're the salesperson that keeps making more money for the company, like, okay, that's how it works. But what was great about franchising is as hard as you work, you reap the benefits. And so it's a great model. It's really that like in franchising, you're buying a business in a box and people think like, oh, those are like McDonald's or Burger King. There is so many kinds of concepts that are franchised now, but it's basically that someone developed the business and they're going to show you how to run it and you get to run it and you, and we have exclusive territories and it's like, you get this territory, that's your space, but we're going to show you how to do everything. We're going to provide curriculum, all the how-to, all the marketing, all that. And the thing I, I mean, I love it because we've been able to do, teach more kids across the United States than I was ever going to teach by myself. Right. But the other part that has been so wonderful is that they get to have the same experience I had when I had my kids. Right. So it's a business that can be, the hours can be flexible. We People still work full-time, make good incomes. It's a really healthy home-based business. But if you want at 10 o'clock at night, you're going to do something because you snuck out for an hour to watch your kid play soccer, you know, great. You have control of that timeline and stuff. So it's been really satisfying to pass on the business of it and the how to do business and the art, of course. But I love being able to pass on that lifestyle of being able to balance your family and a very satisfying work experience. I love that. So, okay. So if I I have a couple of different questions, Mm -hmm. so does someone have to have an art background? Oh, no, 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 no. This is much more about a business, not even a business background, but a business sensibility. We have people from all kinds of industries, you know, engineers, project managers, marketing professionals that are really wanting to run a business and they hire people to teach. Right. Which is so interesting. So then my second question is how many franchises do you have now since the inception of, you know, when you started franchising? Well, I would say we were probably about a hundred, but... We did lose some during COVID, but um, so we're probably in the 50 range, 50, 60, but we have a lot of territories that are warm, kind of they closed due to COVID because the schools were closed, but we have a lot of franchisees, very active, and the kids are so happy to be back in the classrooms now. Right. I mean, that's what's exciting about it because, you know, it is one of those things that if you can stay that you're, you're helping kids, you know, stay the course, you're helping kids, you're helping them use the creative side of their brain. I know you and I kind of talked when we first met about the importance of that because I shared with you the story that I never thought I was creative because in third grade when my, you know, my entire class went to gifted and talented except for me and a young uh, boy, we had to go to special reading. And for some reason, I put 
put in my mind, I didn't get to go because I wasn't creative. It wasn't so much that I was struggling in reading. It was because I wasn't creative. And I always thought creativity came with drawing. But there's so many different levels of creativity now, you know, as I'm an adult further into my life, I see, you know, what I'm doing now with my podcast and speaking, that's creativity. Storytelling is creativity. So if you can, you know, I loved when we kind of touched on when you were talking a little bit about the brain and the way brain works and why this was so important to you, you know, really to teach the kids about drawing. If you can share a little bit about that. Um, a few years ago, I wrote my book, Being Visual. So it's another life change, like, oh, I'm going to write a book. I know nothing about writing a book, but I figured it out. I actually think I wrote a really good book. And um, you need to hire a good editor. But um, right. I was wanting to write a book about what is significant, why is art so important, and I wanted to, you know, what original thoughts am I going to bring to this? And I did a lot of research on the different sides of the brain. And we think of, we're very familiar with the left side of the brain is really analytical and the right side is all creativity and, you know, fun. But it was much deeper than that and much more significant. And it was so much that it's the way our brain functions. And so, like you said, are you creative or not? We all have the right side of the brain. Have we developed it? Does our education system think it's important? And what do we do with it? But, you know, if you're a scientist, you should be able to come up with some new ideas. If you're an engineer, all, everybody needs that creative right side of their brain. And it's not about how to draw. It's about how to think. It's about right. creative thinking. And drawing is a great... The left side of your brain is all about words. The right side of your brain is all about pictures. So the drawing is really that it's kind of like the hieroglyphics of the, you know, the right side of your mind and about being a visual person and visual. The right side of your mind is where ideas, relationships, innovation, uh, mar you know, people in marketing. There's so many human qualities that are in that right side of us. And if we're in school and we're only focused on, you know, the multiple choice or true and false and data-driven education, we need to develop the arts, the creative, the innovative part of every child's brain. And I love that you said that because, you know, uh, my listeners know me being dyslexic, you know, it, I, pictures are very important to me. I'm very visual. Communication is very important to me. Relationships are very important to me. That's but all I, the right side of your mind. You are a right brain thinker. And I'm totally a right brain thinker. And you're right. It's not something until you really get into college that it is, it's, you know, looked upon as a strength, right? It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like, okay, you're not good in math. You're not good in science. You can't can't spell, reading stuff, you know, all those things that we tell time and time again, the kids in school and what we're doing that we don't think like, you know, I think education system thinks, oh, we're just trying to strengthen that for the kid. But when the kid is a really strong right brain thinker, you're not 
you're not building that. You're actually making them feel like crap by telling them they're not good at all these things and constantly, constantly saying, you need to work on this. You need to work on this. And, you know, I think I shared with you, you know, going through school struggling. I had my mom's a huge advocate, wonderful, really helpful, you know, was always there for me. My oldest son is dyslexic. And I know going to these IEP meetings and time and time again, I would say to them, and it, it was always like, you know, we've been in a couple different states and it didn't change except the, the, the private school that was for dyslexic children was like, you know, a place that I was like, Oh my God, this is how you, this is how everyone should they be taught. Him. Yeah. They get him, but it's not even that. Cause the teachers that, Oh, I, you know, I have a special education background. I have this, this is what we need to, you know, really hone in on. This is what we need to strengthen. And I would say to them, he's not going to be a scientist and he's not going to be a mathematician. And there's nothing wrong with that. We have those kids are going to be that. So why don't we build on the things he's good at? Because he is good at so many different things. He is such a smart kid. His communication skills are so amazing. He can listen to the teacher in English and history and not have to study anything because he's already memorized it. Like he's, and those you know, teachers told a good story because even memorizing and learning is so different for right brain kids. You know, left brain, everything's really neatly organized. And here's right. a story about this or this, you know, data. Got it, got it, got it, got it. On the right brain, you got to really care about it to remember it because it's like, you better convince me that I right. should care. Like I was like in chemistry, periodic table. What do I care? Like, what am I ever <laughs> going to do with that? And I swear to God, it just kind of went bang, bang, bang all the time. But when you cared about it, when, when it had an emotional connection, when you were validated for how you think and who you are, I'm wide open and I will hear and learn and the other part of it, hands. Visual people, right brain people, do not learn by just reading something on a computer, filling out something on a computer. We have to be involved. Our body needs to be involved. Our voice, our hands, we need to write things, draw things, map it out, make stars, doodle. That's how information gets in to us, it goes through our body and through our hands. You notice that about yourself? Yeah, no, totally. And you know what? I love that you said that also because, you know, my listeners know I always talk about dyslexia and these are my strengths because of my dyslexia, but it's actually because of my right brain. Yes, yes, yes. And, and, and you just connected those dots for me, which I think is you know, just so amazing because that's the thing. We always think, okay, it's because of your struggles. That's why you're good at those things. No, it's because I was made that way. God made me to be a strong, you know, right brain thinker. And that's what we need to give the kids in school and not tell them, okay, these are the things that are not important. These are the things that are not important. And it's so crazy to me that public school still does it that way. And then they still cancel arts and they cancel things that you need more studying. You need more studying. Like I don't understand why they don't understand. <laughs> well, and you know, to me, one of the, the, just what breaks my heart is how much responsibility we put on the child. You have a child who is wired. It says right off the bat, like I'm a right brain thinker. I'm creative. I love Legos. I love puzzles. I'm social. I'm, you know, there's a lot of signs to, to say this is, you know, you've got a right brain thinker. But then they go to school, and not all schools, I'm speaking in generalities, but yes. they can go to school, and school is saying, like you said, 
Not enough of this. You're not good at this. School's not saying, wait, you're really good at this. And here's how we're going to help you. You know, like if you, when you recognize someone is visual, there are ways to help them read, study, remember, like vocabulary words. There's a lot of little tricks you can do to make them very visual. And it makes it stick. That's how they learn. So instead of blaming them for all the things we think that they're deficient in, like you're saying, let's tell them the things they're good at, but let's teach them in a way that teach them in a way that takes advantage of the what they know how to do to bridge that gap or to, to learn the other way. And the biggest thing is ADHD kids. This just breaks my heart. I gave him medication to settle down. Why can't he just learn everything now? Because you're still teaching him the same way. So it's really good that helped him kind of get rid of some of the buzz and the distraction. But he's still a right brain kid. And you still have to adapt the way you're teaching him. Yeah. So that, I mean, and my mom was in education and I, you know, very... I have a lot of respect for teachers, but then mm-hmm. I have a lot of disrespect for the education system. And so it's I very kind of say it that same way that teachers want to do and they recognize, but there's a lot of parameters on what they can or can't do. And it's a, it's a, it's a broken, you know, it's a broken system. I mean, one of the things, and I think I shared with you is anytime I went into the IAP meeting and, you know, my, my husband would come and he would always put his hand on my lap because he know I would get really, <laughs> get really emotional because well, I get really angry, but then I get really sad. And it's like a lot of these emotions. And I would say to them, and this is not on you guys, but like every time I come into this meeting, it's, and then, so I would always say to them like this, okay, let's, I'm going to give you a scenario. You have the best high jumper on the track team, right? The kid is remarkable. They're like, they, they're going to, they could actually go to the Olympics, but they're really slow in running. They're not fast sprinter. Are you going to continually put them on the track to make them faster? Or are you going to put them on the high jump to get them stronger and stronger on the high jump? And literally all the teachers would look at me and go, Okay. Well, and I was like, and I would always get that one that would give me the wink. Like I get you, but I don't know that we can do it that way. And it would frustrate me so much. You'd always get like, you know, the teachers that got it because they had the, they had the athletic background and they would be like, Oh my God, this mom totally gets it. And I'd be like, just give him what he needs. Support this. Listen, you don't need, I'm not saying pass him to pass him. Like, you know, I'm not saying that, but like, let's, he's not going to be a mathematician. He's not going to be a gift. Thank you. Punishing him for not being what you want to, not fitting into this mold. Let's celebrate who he is and teach him in a way that will help that evolve. Yep. Exactly. And so it is, it is such an interesting thing. And I love this, you know, so much, so much. I think it's so special. And I, you know, so appreciate you coming on and sharing this because I think what you're doing is really brilliant. And I think the fact that others can actually get the opportunity to do it, you know, people that are out there like, I love this idea. You guys can franchise, you can do a franchise, which is so cool. Do you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. can you tell people a little bit more about, you know, I know in the beginning and, you know, the beginning of the podcast, I'll send people where you are, but like how they can get involved with franchising and, um, and learning more about what you do. 
Well, for um, if your kids just want art class, we love to do that. And that's youngrembrandts.com. And we have, you know, we're getting ready for fall classes. So things are starting to be, you know, schedules are starting to show. But, you know, stay tuned. There's some summer things, but fall is opening. But we also have youngrembrandtsfranchise.com. If you're interested in a home-based business that is very satisfying and um, you get to work with kids, you hire teachers, you have your own staff, it's wonderful. Um, and then we also at BettyFetter.com, so B-E-T-T-E-F-E-T-T-E-R.com, I have a lot of information on being a right brain thinker and how do you help them learn their vocabulary words or learn to organize or get focused and those kinds of information. I love that. You know, Betty, thank you so much. And I'm, I'm so excited to stay connected with you because I also feel like you get me, you get what, you know, what, what, <laughs> yep. what create I, stick together. We do stick together. And I love that I now can say and put myself in that bucket as a creative, not just, you know, as, as you know, and my listeners know, I always identified as an athlete because that's what I was really good at. Um, and school wasn't. And it's, it's so sucky that I had to go through all those years of school. And, you know, now that my kids are also going through these years of school, you know, I am able to at least tell, especially my oldest, you know, Hey, these are the things that schools kind of not good for and, you know, but, but good for here. So like you have to be there. So let's find the things that are going to, you know, kind of propel you forward. Let's look at things where you can learn actually life lessons. I don't care if you have an A in earth science. I actually think earth science is stupid. I'm sorry for all the earth scientists <laughs> out there, but for someone that's not interested in science, it is a torture. And I have, you know, two other kids that don't struggle in school as much. And the one just came out of earth science and he was like, that was torturous. And I'm like, he's like, oh, wow. Now I see what Montgomery went through who struggles in science, you know? So it is, um, one of those things that we do need to talk about this more because it is always like, you know, it's about the grade for kids. It's about this. And not everyone is identified by a grade. You know, we have right. so much more to us. And, it and sometimes about their skill, it's their identity of being able to give kids a blessing in what their identity is. You are a creative thinker. You're a right brain thinker. You're really good at pictures and people. And athletes are a lot in that category because it is a very physical, you know, kind of an experience right. in the way you learn. So it would make sense also that you're athletic. And it's, again, our kids should never have to go through life feeling less than or not enough, but they should go through life understanding who they are and what their real identity is. And we're going to help them develop because they know who they are. And I love that. Well, thank you so much again for joining your next stop. You guys, you know what I say every episode, you have to share this. You might be listening to this and thinking, okay, I was good in school. This is interesting though, but you know, I agree with some, I don't agree with some, or I need to know more. And you also have that neighbor, that sister, that aunt, that cousin, the mom, the dad that also needs to hear this episode because they need to be, you know, uh, kind of enlightened by what 
Betty is doing, not just by what she's doing with young grandparents, but also her story. Because I know there's so many of you that connected deeper with Betty because she told her story and how she created this business. And you're out there right now kind of thinking, what's next for me? Or Mm -hmm. I feel like there's more to life. And these are the kind of stories that are going to help you get to that next step. So what I want you guys to do is to, and I should say your next stop instead of your next step, but your next step, your next stop in life. Um, I want you guys to share this with at least five of your friends and then have them share it. Because again, this story is important. What Betty is doing for the young kids out there, it's so important. And, and just the story in general. So like, share, rate and review, and we will see you guys next week. Thank you so much, Betty. It's so nice Thank to you. be. Yeah. And I'm so happy that your daughter is a fan and, um, and connected us. Yes. Thank you. I love it. I'm listening to you every week. Oh, I appreciate it. I hope you liked this episode of your next stop. Please subscribe to my channel, share with your friends and join in each week. 